What is up, Irish fans? Locked on Irish podcast coming your way post-Super Bowl edition. I'm Greg Schaefer, your lead host, flying solo, because I'm the only one of this crew that didn't actually go to work today, because like any good American, I just made sure that I just took the day off afterwards. I didn't call off. It's been a long-standing vacation day. I mean, just like it should be. It should be a national holiday, the day after the Super Bowl. I mean, look no further than just the event it was last night. Every year, the Super Bowl is such a big event. That's why the show wasn't ready to go at like 4 a.m. this morning like it normally is. No, because I'm, I'm a true American. I made sure I had the day requested off. My staff was fine at my real job. And here I am giving you guys an early morning podcast. So how, how's it going, guys? Hope you enjoyed that Super Bowl. Super Bowl 54 was fun. Uh, Patrick Mahomes really uh, really making a name for himself. And it's, I mean, I'm waking up this morning to hear... All this about Patrick Mahomes going to be uh, in the Hall of Fame. I mean, woo, let's pump the brakes on that. But he's de- his trajectory is definitely headed that way. So uh, make sure you're following us out there at Locked On Irish on Facebook, on Twitter, wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, any podcast app. We are everywhere. Thank you for being with us today. Should be a fun one. We're going to just talk a lot of Super Bowl. Um We'll get to some Notre Dame stuff. Uh, third segment of the show, we are going to talk about the Irish win over Georgia Tech and getting the season sweep this year. Um, and then we have, Nash- you remember, there's like a national signing day this week. Yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> After the early signing periods passed and all the hype around it, and especially with Notre Dame, I mean, even when na- national there was an early signing day period, always felt like we kind of knew there were many surprises for Notre Dame. I mean, there was always it, here and there you'd have like the Manti Teo signing on signing day, but we usually pretty much knew the class before, uh, before they came in and they really there, you know, maybe tack on somebody at the end, but no, nothing really surprising, you know, maybe somebody decommitting on that day and not picking us, but nothing re- super surprising really happening. And now, especially with the early signing period, having so much hype, uh, it kind of takes a little luster away from this official signing day. So we're going to dive right in here and talk about the Super Bowl. By the way, the Gatorade was orange, in case you were wondering. Prop bets were out of control. Out of control. Uh, we timed the uh, the national anthem. It was, I think the over-under was 204. That's what I was being told. That is not official. That's sources at a party that had entirely too much pop blowing. So we timed it. It was like a Buck forty nine, buck fifty, and we could tell right away the pace that uh, Lovato was carrying. We were like, uh, "I don't think we're hitting two minutes." She's really gonna have to draw out some words right now. But uh, yeah, so hopefully you took the under there. I'm not a big fan of taking unders in anything. So if you're if you're a degenerate gambler out there, um, I don't know if you ever take unders or not. But I think the one time I took an under was a Michigan State Air Force game back in 2015, I think it was, or 14. I can't recall. But the numbers were just astronomical. And it's like Air Force doesn't really throw the ball. And Michigan State, they're not necessarily the most highly prolific offense. And I think I swear the number was through the roof. And I took the under. And I was like, you know, I know there's a reason that Vegas can build all those big buildings. But, man, I just felt like that was a really stupid one on their part. So, Chiefs get it done, 31-20. Um, I'll be honest with you. I thought the Chiefs were done. I did. I, I was wrong. I was wrong. I didn't think they could get behind against this Niners defense. But <clears throat> Shanahan has a lot to blame on himself. I mean, 
just this morning I woke up, and trust me, I didn't figure this all out on my own. However, I was thinking it. I was thinking, you know, he has given up a lot of fourth quarter points. And I didn't really do the research. It just kind of hit me, just a stroke of good luck, I suppose, as I'm watching some of the post-game shows this morning. And he has given up 46 fourth quarter points to nothing in his two Super Bowl appearances. Ooh, that's terrible. I mean, and then some of the play calling. And he got completely away from the running game. I mean, if this was Kelly that did this, we would be having a field day right now. And he he did. He just got completely away from a running game. You're up by 10 with, what was it, 7-something left in the game. According to ESPN, that's a 96.1% chance to win the game. 96.1% chance. And he's deciding to throw the ball. Trying to throw the ball all over the place. I I I was shocked. I you know, this is what he did. This is what he did against the Patriots when he was the play caller for the Falcons. I mean, he got completely away from Debo Samuel. It it was I mean, they started off the game great. I mean, obviously, you're up for most of the game, everything's looking good. You gave up twenty one fourth quarter points. This is supposed to be the best defense in the league. And that's not like they weren't getting to Patrick Mahomes. They had four sacks on him. I mean, this is probably the worst Patrick Mahomes looked all year. Honestly, this might have been one of his worst games. And in the end, comes out with 21 fourth quarter points. But, you know, it just goes back to, I, I'm not sure, you know, Mostert had, had the most carries. Uh, 12 carries, 58 yards, had the touchdown. Uh, th- Samuel only had three carries. I know mean, they were trying to get him involved out of the backfield, but I'll tell you what. You want to talk about a recipe for success at Notre Dame? Let's get Lawrence Keys. I think uh, Driscoll tweeted this. Lawrence Keys, and let's get Brayden Lindsey out of the backfield the way they're using Debo Samuel. I mean, that guy has been just a revelation for this team. I I like what, what to see what they what they got going on right now. Uh, uh, such a good offense to build for the future. However, I'm not totally convinced Jimmy G's the guy. It, anybody else? I don't know, man. I just we're t- so in the fourth quarter. Uh, full disclosure, my brother-in-law, huge, huge uh, Niners fan. And I'd conceded they'd won the game. I, I thought for sure they'd won the game. Uh, we, it was 20-10 to 10 when we were discussing this. And I said, so w- when they win this tonight, is Jimmy G, he's obviously not Joe Montana or Tom Brady. Um, he's not Roethlisberger. Is he Trent Dilfer or Doug Williams? I don't think so that either. But now that he didn't get it done, I don't. Where does he fall in, in quarterbacks getting getting their team to the Super Bowl? And is it going to be – I think the, the question has to be left unanswered at the moment because we don't know if he's going to get back. Um, it's interesting how this team's built. They have a nice offense, but when push came to shove and the pressure was on, Jimmy G couldn't come through. I mean, at the end of the day, after the, the Chiefs got up, you know, somber mood at the place I'm at because I'm at a Niners party essentially – and I looked over at the Niners fans there, and I said, well, you're down 24-20. However, you got four timeouts, essentially. Two-minute warning coming up. That, that's when you get your fourth timeout. Over two minutes left. Okay. You need a touchdown to win. That's it. You need to drive. I mean, what better position could you ask for? Yes, is it disapp- it's always disappointing um, when you're up, especially in a championship, and now the game's tied or you've fallen behind, but you got the ball. You got four timeouts. And at the end of the day... Jimmy G could not come through. I mean, two picks, 20 of 31. I think at one point he was something like 
was it 19 of 21 or 18 of 20 or something like that? Um, yeah, just, it almost, I mean, as a Bear fan, it almost reminded me of Trubisky. It's like his efficiency looks okay at times or really good at times, but he's only thrown for like 110 yards or something like that. I mean, Garoppolo, what, only 219 on the day? Um, you know, I just feel like that the, the Chiefs offense really just wore down uh, the, the Niners defense. You know, it was good on good. The, and for three quarters, the good defense came out on top. And for whatever reason, Mahomes showed his magic in that fourth quarter. I know I know Driscoll put this out there about uh, Elway and how bad of, you know, he could have three quarters just not good. And bam, here he comes. Fourth quarter, get out of his way. Move, move, get out the way, get out the way. Here comes Patrick Mahomes. And then that one pick he had, he just didn't look good. The one pick he had, I forget who he was trying to go downfield to, but there was three guys there, and they said, oh, he didn't see the safety. Well, that's fine if he didn't see the safety, but what about the other 15 dudes standing around his receiver? My goodness. But, you know, it didn't come without some breaks. I mean, Tyreek Hill turned a turned a safety around and then just ended up just wide open down the field. I mean, how do you let that happen as one of the best defenses in the entire league all season long? All right, guys, we are back at it. Locked on Irish podcast on the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Talking Super Bowl here. Speaking of Super Bowl and things that don't really matter about the Super Bowl, because, you know, we love that here. I think we did basically two shows between the Locked on last week after Michelle, and then we did it on my uh, East of the Bend Productions podcast. And, uh, yeah, we pretty much talked everything but Super Bowl. But uh, so let's talk about a few commercials. Um, forgettable, in my opinion. There's only one that really stands out to me. Uh, and I, as soon as it aired, and it was toward the end of the game, I looked around at the people I was watching the game with. I was like, "Did that just win?" And everybody was like, "I think it did. I think that was the best one." And uh, I gotta say, that Groundhog Day commercial, Bill Murray, awesome. I'm a Bill Murray fan anyway, and I loved the movie. Uh, why don't you tweet at the show? at Locked on Irish. Let us know what you think about the commercials. I thought they were forgettable at best, but I thought that one was phenomenal. You're paying homage to a, just a, a great movie, a movie that's got kind of a cult following. Everybody really enjoy. I don't know anybody that enjoy Groundhog Day. You know, you're advertising a solid product, Jeeps, if you like Jeeps. It, it was funny. You know, it, it was just a really, you got a star and Bill Murray on there. I mean, come on. You can't, no, nothing you can't like about that. And on Groundhog Day, or well, Close to Groundhog Day. Was yesterday Groundhog Day? No, I don't think it was. I think it was over the weekend, if I'm not mistaken. No, 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 I'm wrong. I'm wrong and right. Because <laughs> February 2nd. So, yeah, I mean, what perfect timing to have that. I mean, clever, cleverly timed commercial. Uh, how about the halftime show? What do we all think of that? I'm a huge Shakira fan going from way back in the day. Uh, J-Lo, she's fine. Um, hey, they look phenomenal. For, for their age and how long they've been around and stuff. I mean, whew, Shakira's hips still don't lie, as I've heard it once said. But uh, I do think it's funny everybody kind of like, oh, this is supposed to... I like how far we've gotten away from, you know, the Janet Jackson wardrobe malfunction situation. And we went, we went safe for a lot of years with the halftime show after that. Because if you remember, it was, what, Super Bowl thirty eight with the wardrobe malfunction. Then the next year we went Paul McCartney. All right. We couldn't get any more opposite of a chance of a wardrobe malfunction. Then we went with the stones. 
Then we go with Prince. Okay, great. Tom Petty, Springsteen, The Who. Uh, then we started to kind of like, okay, maybe people are forgetting. Black Eyed Peas. Then you got Madonna, and we're like, all right, we're throwing it back now. We're, we're, we're throwing it back. Somebody with hair more provocative. Beyonce, Destiny's Child. We're easing people back in. Then we had the Bruno Mars one. Super family-friendly, Red Hot Chili Pepper collaboration. I'm a huge Bruno Mars fan. I think that he appeals to kind of everyone. I'm almost like, let's just do the next 10 years as Bruno Mars with. That can be the halftime show. And then we'll figure it out from there. Then we got into Katy Perry, who made us all feel like we were dropping acid. Then we were Coldplay, collaboration with Beyonce, Bruno Mars. Then we got into Gaga, and Timberlake's awesome. And now we've got to the point where we're like, let's just do it. Let's get back in it. You know, you got Maroon 5 out there. You got, then uh, this year, you got J-Lo and Shakira shaking around, barely clothed. Again, remember when Elvis couldn't even shake his hips on TV? I mean, I know I'm young. I don't fully remember that. Like, but I know that was a thing. And this is what we get as our halftime show. I think they've just said, let's mail it in. Let's go all in again until something bad happens. So I enjoyed it. I liked how they knocked the dust off of literally every hit they had from like the early 2000s and late 90s. That was great. So, but uh, back to the game. Wanted to get a few thoughts in. Uh, Notre Dame guys playing in the game. We had uh, Day, McGlinchey. McGlinchey looked like a man out there, um, just bowling people over. Again, they got away from the running game. That's all it came down to at the end of the day. They got they got away from their running game, and I don't know what it is with Shanahan getting away from what that team does best. Uh, Sheldon Day only finished with one tackle. He got blown up inside at one point in time, just not completely out of a play. However, it looked like that's how the he was supposed to crash down inside, and then he just got crashed even further down inside because it was just like he zigged when they zagged, and, you know, good play call. Uh, good play call. I don't think it was anything he did personally on that particular one. Um, but Damian Williams, let's talk about him a little bit. I mean, two things that I think go overlooked in this one, or not necessarily overlooked, but um, overlooked as far as everybody made such a deal about the Niners' defense and how good it was. And now this morning, it's, oh, how great was the Chiefs' offense and being able to get things done and and take advantage. And I don't necessarily disagree with any of that. But my thing is, is like, let's give a little props to the Chiefs' defense. Because, yes, did they let their team get behind and the offense had to had to jump back in and, like, really kickstart things? Fine. You know, you go back to the Texans game, 24 to nothing. Blown coverage, just a lot of factors there. However, I look back at it and it's like, okay, that game was, what did we say it was? Wasn't it like 51-7 to seven was the, the stretch run? Okay, so the defense clamped down and only gave up seven more points. Uh, they really shut down Travis Henry. Um, or Derrick Henry. Sorry, Travis Henry. Wow. Uh, they really shut down Derrick Henry for the most part, forced Tannehill to try to beat him, which they couldn't get done. Uh, yesterday, they only gave up 20 points. I mean, it's not too bad. Not too bad at all. You take that any day of the week in the Super Bowl. If you tell me my team's getting in the Super Bowl and they only give up 20 points, I actually like our chances of winning. Uh, two touchdowns, two field goals. Okay, I'll, I'll take that. You know, I got to hope that I have a better quarterback than Trubisky, but I, I really like what the uh, what the Kansas City defense did. Uh, they didn't give up their first touchdown to the second quarter. I mean, and really it was on the Niners' defense to stop Patrick Mahomes, and they did for three-plus quarters. It's almost like this Chiefs defense needs to just settle in. They're like that slow fighter. You know, the fighter comes out. He's a good fighter. 
Might be a great fighter, but man, if you can clip him in that first round and a half, you better go get him. Because once he gets warmed up, he finds his legs. It might be a rough night for you. But I did want to talk about Damian Williams. Kind of got sidetracked there. But Damian Williams, you know, I talked about how the Chiefs, their rushing attack was just, that might be the thing that kills them. And Damian Williams goes for 17 carries, 104. Had a long carry of 38 yards, sealed the deal. Uh, Caught some passes out of the backfield. Just a nice threat. I mean, the guy didn't even have 600 yards rushing all season. Comes to the Super Bowl, gets 104 on the ground, and 29 through the air, plus catches a touchdown pass. I think he, what they say he's the first running back to rush for 100, get a rushing touchdown plus receiving touchdown in a Super Bowl. Incredible. And in that receiving core, who knew Sammy Watkins was still alive, let alone playing, by the way. Five catches, 98. Tyreek Hill doing his thing. Nine catches, 105. Uh, just a really good day. Really good day by by the offense. Kelsey wasn't as much of a factor as what I thought he would be. I mean, he's fine. Six catches, 43, a touchdown. Um, but I'll tell you what, George Kittle, talk about things that Shanahan did not do, getting away from that team's tendencies. S- six catches, or four catches, 36 yards. He was targeted seven times, but you had to find a way to get him the ball. And down the stretch, I just feel like they got away from that. They act like they didn't know what they wanted to do with the running game. Tevin Coleman comes out starting the game, and he had like what two or three runs on the first series, and then finishes the game with five total catches or five total carries. I, I, I mean, I just don't know what Shanahan was trying to do. I, mean, I said it when they lost the first Super Bowl. I thought he would be three or four years and done in San Francisco. I'm going to be interested to see how does he get does he get this team back. Because we know the track record of teams that lose the Super Bowl. It's not good. It's definitely not good. I mean, teams that lose the Super Bowl, you look back at like the Panthers. They have not been back. Uh, You look back at teams like, who am I thinking of here? I mean, the Falcons come to mind. Um, The Patriots recently, they lost one, came back to win one, fine. Uh, Panthers, the Seahawks, after they've lost theirs, they've not been back. Uh, the Niners, it took them this long to get back when you go back to 2013. The Patriots were losers, and they obviously came back. But then the, the Steelers, they lost to the Packers. They've not been back since. The Colts, when they lost, going back to 09, they lost to the Saints. They've not been back. The Cardinals, the My Bears, not been back. You know, the Seahawks lost in 06, but, you know, now we're getting out in two different eras. That's the Matt Hasselbeck era. So when you're thinking of the same team trying to get back, it obviously doesn't happen very often. You know, the Patriots are that outlier. They they truly are. Um, you, you can look at a team like the Broncos eventually made it back 2014. They got just waxed. You know, it took them another year, and then they got back. So it's possible, but then you, you have to look at the other end of it and look at teams like the Panthers, the Falcons, who's not even been close, the Rams this year, but just they didn't even make the playoffs. So I'm going to be really interested to see where this team goes from here. I'd like to hear what your guys' thoughts are. Tweet at us at Lockdown Irish. Let us know what you think. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, final thoughts here on the Super Bowl itself. Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, couldn't be happier for him. Patrick Mahomes is my favorite player in the league. Again, I don't think, as a Bears fan, I'm not even mad. I don't think we missed on the kid because I've never seen a Texas Tech quarterback do what he's done. And they've had a proven track record of not being good in the NFL. I mean, he could play one good season, and he's better than all the rest of them combined. Davis Webb, uh, Cliff Kingsbury, 
Uh, you just pick one. Uh, I mean, Baker Mayfield at this point has had a better career. Remember, he transferred from Texas Tech. He's had a better career than the rest of them combined. They've not been good. Graham Harrell, not good. None of these guys have been good. And Patrick Mahomes is on his way to be a legend, man. And from what every, we, everything we've been told, he's just as good of a kid as what we see on TV. And that, that, I'm really pumped about that. He seems like a really good role model, and I wish him nothing but the best. And if they want to be the new Patriots, the Chiefs, Mahomes era, knock yourself out. And then Andy Reid, good for you, man. Congrats on your title. Go eat that cheeseburger. That's all he talked about. Him and Orgeron, they go out and get their cheeseburger and their, what was it, a ham and cheese sandwich or something like that. I'm like... Maybe I could think of something better than that, but hey, I love that simplicity. I couldn't be happier for him. And now Andy Reid almost goes from, he's what, 61 years old? A guy that we wonder, will he get in the Hall of Fame as a coach? Probably would. Without a Super Bowl, he may go from that to a three-time Super Bowl winner. I mean, I know I might be getting a little ahead of myself, but this guy could go from being, oh man, poor Andy Reid, to is Andy Reid one of the best coaches of all time? That's some food for thought. All right, guys, let's talk a little Irish, little Georgia Tech basketball right after this. All right, guys, back at it again. Locked on Irish podcast. So Irish take care of business on Saturday, 80-72 over the Jello Jackets. Um, Again, <laughs> couldn't be easy, could it? Could not be easy. I mean, it, this is just what it's going to look like, I suppose. I mean, it was, it was a game that started out looking like uh, the first team to 24, uh, a little paying homage to Kobe there, our guy. Um, kind of looked first team to 24 was going to pretty much take this one. Uh, what was it? 24-24, ironically enough, with what, six and a half minutes to go. But it, it started out worse than that. I think uh, we started out shooting like 33% from the field, and luckily enough, Georgia Tech was shooting worse than us at 22%. So, hey, all right, we'll take that. Offenses started picking it up a little bit, going to half up, which was important, I feel like, for momentum. Uh, Jose Alvarado, man, this guy, he has been something. Uh, Michael DeVoe has been out. He's been in a walking boot. I'm not sure the specifics on the injury. He's the kind of the guy that was kind of their go-to guy um, the first time we played him. So I, I think that really hurt uh, their chances to win this game. But this Alvarado kid, 10 of 19 from the field, hit a couple threes. He, he's been playing really, really well lately. So kind of no shame in the fact that, um, you know, in the sense that, we kind of let him go off. You know, he scored 20 against Virginia, 13 against Louisville, 26 against NC State. But a lot of this, too, could be that Mooney effect, if you will, because I just don't think they have anybody. I don't think they're all that good. I'm not a huge Passner fan. I know he was toast to the town a few years back. Didn't even make the tournament, getting coach of the year in the ACC, all because they were picked to finish last, and he finished 11th or something. Okay. I, I'll never get over that one. Go back to one of my original podcasts, and I rant like crazy about that. But... Um, this is not a game I've seen us score an 80, and unfortunately we needed to. I don't know why the defense wasn't any better than this, but I got to give Rex Fluger some credit finally. Fluger comes through, played 30 minutes, um, hit every one of his shots outside of missing one free throw, but let him live. Let's repeat that. Rex Fluger was 100% from the field. Three for three, two threes, 13 points. I mean, I can't complain about that. I uh, cannot complain about that at all. Distributed the ball well, th had three assists. Heck yeah, man. Hopefully, again, I, we do this every time somebody has a good game. We're like, is this the one? Oh, no, this isn't the one that gets him going. Because you look at a guy like Durham, had one of his best games a couple games ago uh, against Florida State, 
and he only played 10 minutes on Saturday, went 0 for 3 from the field, and had one rebound. Tallest guy on the team with uno rebound. Um, we were out-rebounded in this game. That's that's ugly. That's not... that. Talk about things projecting for the future. That doesn't project well, in my opinion. This is one of the worst teams in the league. I mean, Georgia Tech, Wake Forest, they're right down there at the bottom, and we're having a little bit of a step-up in competition on Wednesday when we play Clemson. Of course, Mooney goes for a double-double. Snore through that update. I mean, at 10, 10 rebounds, 28 points. And Georgia Tech came out firing in the second half. I mean, they did. It's like, But the thing I liked about the second half is every time they scored, we matched them. They come out, they hit a, th- uh, they hit a three. We come out, we come back down the floor, we hit another three. They take the lead, we score again. The ability to be able to match them down the stretch and ultimately just wear them out. Because there's very few times you'll hear me say that we're more athletic or we're better than a team in the ACC. I feel like we have much better athletes despite the short bench. I I do. I think that we're better than a team like Georgia Tech. There's very few times that we're going to be able to outlast a team where we can just say our talent will eventually overtake this game. I think Georgia Tech's one of those teams that we can do that. Uh, Georgia Tech did fall to 10-12 and after this lost to kind of put that in perspective. Um, Notre Dame improved to 13 and eight or four and six. We're kind of out of, uh, what is it? Relegation territory for the moment, not having to play that very first round of play in games of the ACC tournament, which is important. And we have an opportunity in front of us. We really do. Um, but that opportunity with some winnable games it is going to be taken away or we're not going to be able to take advantage of that opportunity if we don't get better efficiency. And it's a consistent theme. The only thing consistent about this team is our inconsistency. Again, it's like Durham has a great game and then just kind of falls away. Prentice Hub, we're talking about him as one of the best point guards in the ACC. And his last couple weeks have been brutal. Or last couple games have been brutal. Sorry, not last couple weeks. Still in football mode. Um, where it's like one game equals one week. But let's just take a look back real quick. I mean, some of his last few games have been just kind of a nightmare, really. Uh, three of his last four games, he's not scored 10 points. He was 3 of 10 against Syracuse. He had a nice, solid game. 7 of 16, though, against Florida State. Not necessarily the best shooting from the field. 24 points. So he went 3 of 10. Let's take out Florida State. He goes 3 of 10, Syracuse. 1 of 11 against Wake. And 1 of 6 against Georgia Tech. Gross. Only 3 points. The one made 3-pointer there. I mean, what is that? Two. Let's do some uh, OU math here. That's what five of twenty-seven from the field in three games, three ACC games. You don't win many games like that. And I, I need better production from him. Now Gibbs was good, five and nine, nineteen points. Gibbs has really been a leader. We used a little longer bench. Maybe Bray. I tell you, Bray's listening to this show. Listening to the show, we're getting good bench production. What we have, we had uh, what 41, 51 minutes of bench time played I mean, Jogu got three minutes all right all right good one 30 minutes um I mean they're essentially starting good one you know when Durham only plays he starts plays 10 minutes but good one plays 30 that's that's a uh, kind of a quasi start in my opinion uh Leshevsky couldn't really keep it rolling one of three from the field 18 minutes three points total <sighs> again the most consistent thing about this team is just their inconsistencies so Nice win. We'll take it, but it's not necessarily, you know, it doesn't move my meter very much. A lot of opportunity out there. 
Uh, speaking of opportunity, if you're a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard of all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But what you may not know is Locked On Irish is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Notre Dame fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach podcast listeners. And not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Notre Dame fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word ADVERTISING to 33777. Or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. So, uh, yeah, big shows coming up this week. Uh, again, we're going to talk some signing day. We'll talk some uh, Pat Connaughton news. Just broke. Uh... What else we got going on this week? We had a 2021 signing. We got a preview Clemson. That's coming up. Uh, remember, guys, you know the XFL kicks off next weekend. Uh-huh. And we got a friend. I don't know if you guys listen to CBS Sports Radio at all. One of our friends and uh, inspirations for doing all these podcasts, uh, Damon Amendolara from the DA Show. Dude's got a real affinity for, like, minor league football, if you will. So uh, we're having him back on. We had him on and talked AAF on our other show last year, and we had a great time. We loved talking to him. It was funny because he was running behind, my co-host was running behind, and he like he's walking somewhere in New York when he calls us, sits down on a bench. He was very apologetic, and we didn't even have any notes ready to go. I was running behind on the show flow, and honestly, we just had we didn't know what we were really going to get into, and for some reason we started talking AAF we went on for like 30 minutes it was a great show he had a great time and it was just a lot of fun he said have me back sometime and I thought once the AAF said they were or the XF AAF goes away XFL's coming back I said what better time than the present to get DA back on so we're gonna kind of let that XFL thing kind of matriculate get a feel for the league and uh, then we'll, we'll get him on and we'll discuss what we're seeing four Notre Dame guys in there so something to keep an eye on so, till tomorrow, at Locked On Irish on Twitter, on Facebook, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, all the right places. Listen to us wherever you are, on the go or at home. Till next time, guys. Go Irish.